Welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News, recorded on the 7th of October and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin, and our readers today are Phil Lee and Jane Fairs. Hello. Well, last week, some of our listeners received a newspaper for an earlier week, for which we do apologise. If you missed last week's news, but would still like to hear it, you'll find the whole of last week's recording following on from this one, after the obituaries. So I'd like to extend a warm welcome to a new listener, Geoffrey Hill. I do hope you enjoy our recording. Also welcome to any other new listeners whose names I don't have. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, a little bit of sport, and then finishing up with the thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please get in touch and we can add you to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766. Alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5 1DA. So, let's start. This week, with the telephone numbers, which Jane's going to read for you. Wilds Lane, 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not man daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours, medical assistance... 0300-123-3211 between 6 o'clock and 8pm. Crime Stoppers 0800-555-111 Worcester Hub 01905-765-765 Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768053, option 3. Community Risk Team, Fire Safety, 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline, 0800 980 Sense Adventures, Walking for Visually Impaired, D. Jones, 01684 or www.senseadventures.co.uk Samaritans 
116123. Worcester Live, 01905 611427. Malvern Theatres, 01684 892277. Thank you, Jane. So, moving on to what's on in the next few weeks. And I'm going to begin with what's on on Wednesday, the 13th of October at the Swan Theatre in Worcester. So, the St John's Players are presenting duets. Apparently, it's a gloriously funny examination of the chaotic world of love, relationships, and why the grass is never greener. The start time is 7.30 on Wednesday and tickets are from £9. There are further performances which will be taking place on the 14th, 15th and 16th of October, but at the slightly later start time of 7.45pm. On Friday the 15th at the Huntingdon Hall, folk singer, guitarist and multi-instrumentalist Jack Rutter will be performing songs from his latest solo album. Start time is 7.30pm, goes on till midnight, and tickets are £14. On Saturday the 16th at the same place, that's the Huntington Hall, there's a return of the 70s band China Crisis. Actually, I haven't heard of them, but my husband said he had. Tickets are £22, and again, that's a 7.30pm start. Interested in that, you need to ring 01905 611 If you're a lover of ballet, then you'll want to make a note of this event coming up. The Ballet Theatre's UK production of The Snow Queen will be on stage at Worcester Swan Theatre on Sunday, October 31st at 2.30pm and 7.30pm. For tickets, call the box office on that number again, 611427, or go to worcestertheatres.co.uk. And finally, advance warning of the comedian, and I hope I can say his name right, Omid Jalili. Is that right? Good. He'll be at the Huntington Hall on Friday, October the 22nd at 7.30pm. To book tickets or more information, contact the box office. Again, 611427. And I have news of one other item, but I'm saving that for the general news stories, so you need to keep your ears pinned. It's something to do with Christmas. Right, moving on. Main headlines this week. Phil is going to read them and I think start with the first one after that. Oh, and just a note. Last week, they were not able to get hold of a paper for Thursday, the 30th of September. So we are including that headline story uh, with this week. So there will be seven headline stories this week. Indeed, it's a collector's piece. (laughs) So we start with that aforesaid, Thursday, September the 30th, waiting for help. Friday, October the 1st, armed arrest over shooting. Saturday, step too far. Then Monday, shot in the leg. Tuesday, October the 5th, club stripped of £29,000 in tax fine. Wednesday, October the 6th, early festive surprise for father. And today, two injured at florists. So we'll start with that one from... Thursday, September the 30th, waiting for help. Survivors of rape and sexual abuse in the county are being put more at risk because the council (coughs) has not handed over the emergency funding it promised, a crisis-hit support services said. The West Mercia Rape and Sexual Abuse Support Centre 
hitherto referred to as WMRSASC, said it was very disappointed not to have received £100,000 from Worcestershire County Council to help the struggling service despite a pledge by councillors. In June, WMRSASC said it would no longer be taking on more people for counselling due to a lack of money and was in desperate need of at least 800000 to meet current demand and clear the waiting list. County councillors promised to help in a bid to clear its backlog. The service said, We were led to believe that Worcestershire County Council had pledged £100,000. However, we have since been informed that while funding had potentially been identified, no formal commitment or decision has been made. They went on, We cannot help but feel that the longer the delay, the less chance there is of funding being received, particularly when comments are being made about, quote, not being sure what impact the closure of our list will have on other mental health services or how many people will be affected. It's very disappointing, but we are hopeful that the council will fulfil its original pledge, especially given the level of support received from elected councillors on July 15. The council said it was working with partners Herefordshire Council, West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion and NHS partners to support the centre. Councillor Karen May, Cabinet Member with Responsibility for Health and Wellbeing, said we don't want anyone to feel that they have to suffer in silence and we are committed to working with partners to understand the need in this area in Worcestershire and to plan a sustainable long-term way forward. We've made some great progress working with partners over the last few years to provide preventative as well as community services in a number of key areas and we're really keen for this to continue where we can. WMRSASC said a combined funding boost of £220,000 from Herefordshire Council and West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion has allowed staff to allocate some survivors in Worcestershire and Herefordshire to councillors and the service hopes to reopen its waiting list in Herefordshire soon. Prior to closing the waiting list, we were receiving on average around 55 referrals for women, men and children aged five and above every month, they said. We know that every month we remain closed, vulnerable survivors are left without support. And this is the headline from Friday, October the 1st. Armed arrest over shooting. The attempted murder arrest after a shooting, a man has been arrested on suspicion of attempted murder after a dramatic arrest in Worcester. Officers from West Midlands Police confirmed a 23-year-old had been arrested in Whittington Road, Worcester, in connection with a shooting in Birmingham. A spokesman said a 23-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder, following the shooting in West Thorpe Grove in Birmingham on September the 22nd. He remains in police custody as our inquiries continue. Armed police swooped on a driver in Whittington Road with a nearby motorist capturing events on video on Wednesday, September the 29th. West Mercia Police revealed the operation was being run by West Midlands Police, The West Mercia Police spokesman said firearms officers in Worcester stopped a vehicle on Whittington Road this afternoon, taking one man into custody. The road is now open and we would like to reassure the public that this is a contained incident and there is no risk to the wider public. The incident, shortly after 6.30pm on September 29th, saw police corner the vehicle. 
The stop caused a significant tailback on the roads and a police helicopter could be seen overhead. A witness said armed police had the car surrounded and we could then see the helicopter and as we turned into Swinesherd Way we saw a cluster of cars and lots of police with massive guns on the opposite side of the road. And the headline for Saturday the 2nd of October, Step Too Far. Needles and drug paraphernalia found on city car park staircase. Evidence of hard drug use has been found in the stairwell of a city centre car park. Needles, syringes, lighters and other drug paraphernalia associated with heroin use were found on Thursday in St Martin's Gate car park in City Walls Road. A concerned resident who found the needles after work said that it is becoming more and more common. They said, almost every day in the car park, remnants of drug abuse can be found on the stairs. It is three to four times a week. These were pictures taken this morning, although the needles were there last night when I'd finished work. This seems to be happening on a more regular basis, and I'm having to walk past it more often than not now. The car park belongs to Worcester City Council, which said it has thoroughly cleaned the area and officers make regular patrols there. We will review the footage and work with West Mercia Police to identify those involved. City Council staff have thoroughly cleaned the area. If you find a needle or syringe in a public place, please contact the City Council as soon as possible by calling 01905 722 233 or report it at worcester.gov.uk slash report dash hazardous hazardous dash waste. The council's policy is to remove drugs paraphernalia within 24 hours of notification. The nearest chemist offering a needle exchange to the spot where the paraphernalia was found is Lloyd's Pharmacy in Spring Gardens. Drug users can visit the pharmacy to collect clean needles and syringes for free. They're also given a sharps box to return the needles. According to NHS guidelines, Pharmacy staff should encourage a one-for-one exchange, supplies given out in exchange for a used bin being returned. But failure to return all used equipment should not result in a withdrawal of the service. A spokesman for local drug and alcohol support service, Cranston, said, Addiction is a health issue and can often be driven by serious trauma and adverse childhood experiences. We recognise that needle litter is a huge public concern and we actively encourage anybody who uses drugs to dispose of their needles safely. We provide opportunity to do this at our main service hub and at a number of pharmacies across Worcestershire. Contact Cranston, Worcestershire if you or anybody you know and love needs support on 0300 303 8200 or access our website for more details. Cranston, that's C-R-A-N-S-T-O-U-N dot org slash services slash substance dash misuse slash Cranston dash Worcestershire. And that's it. Now, Monday's story was headlined Shot in the Leg, Drama on City Street. Police have shot a man in a city street. An officer shot a man believed to be 31 in Ronxwood Hill, Worcester, at 9am on Saturday, October 2nd. The man received injuries to his leg and was taken to hospital. 
Police said armed police went to the road after receiving a report of a man in a car with a rifle. A video of the shooting circulated on social media yesterday showed a man surrounded by armed police officers get out of a car. After a few seconds of shouting, a shot is heard and he falls to the floor. It happened near to the Gun Tavern on Ronxwood Hill, just off Newtown Road, and saw heavy police activity in the area, along with an air ambulance helicopter. A Newtown Road resident, who asked not to be identified, said her son-in-law knocked on her door in a panic, saying, there has been a shooting. She said, there's police everywhere, he couldn't park the car. I looked through the window and saw the air ambulance, and I saw somebody stretched off. She said beforehand she heard a sound like something being dropped, but could not be certain that this was the gunshot. She added, I just want to know what it's all about, really. I did hear he had a gun on his lap. I needed to go shopping yesterday, but I couldn't go anywhere. The landlord of the gun tavern pub, John Norris, said he lost about four hours of business with the pub only able to open at around 5.30pm on Saturday. Mr Norris, who'd been landlord at the gun for nine years, said, I was lying in bed and I heard the bang, looked out of the window and there was police everywhere. I thought it was an explosion or something like that. It's a rare thing. You don't see that around here. I'm not really concerned. It was a heavy police presence. It's a one-off kind of thing. We don't see any trouble around here. Assistant Chief Constable Rachel Jones said, This is an extremely unusual incident for our policing area. We understand that the local community and wider area will be shocked by the events in Ronxwood Hill. She added, We do not believe there to be any wider threat to the local community and we have referred this to our professional standards department and the Independent Office of Police Conduct to review. Newtown Road was shut off from the Turnpike Medical Centre to the top of the hill where it turns into Humber Road, causing buses to be diverted. Newtown Road reopened just before 5pm on Saturday evening, but Ronxwood Hill was shut throughout Sunday. And this is the headline from Tuesday, October the 5th, which is the club stripped of 29000 in tax fine. A city strip club has been fined almost £30,000 over a two-year unpaid tax bill. Worcester's Black Cherry Gentlemen's Club has been named and shamed by the HM Revenue and Customs for owing almost £65,000 in tax. The HMRC's current list of deliberate tax defaulters shows the strip club in the city's lowest mall has been ordered to pay just over £29,500 in penalties for its unpaid tax bills between August 2017 and November 2019. According to Companies House documents, strip club owner David Barrett has been attempting to dissolve the company since February 2019 with the latest attempt on June the 1st. Companies House said the city centre's strip club's accounts for the last financial year are also overdue. He applied for compulsory strike-off in February 2019, which would mean the company would be dissolved, but it was rejected. Another application was made in May that year, but was again rejected. A new application was made again in June 2021 and again rejected because of the unpaid tax bill. 
Companies are added to HMRC's list for a number of reasons, including deliberately providing inaccurate documents, deliberately failing to comply with an HMRC obligation, or committing a VAT or excise wrongdoing. The most common reason for a company strike-off procedure being rejected is if the HMRC believe that the company has unpaid tax, such as VAT or corporation tax. The city's only strip club was brought under new ownership in 2017 after the company that ran the venue entered administration over an unpaid tax bill. HMRC said Black Cherry was not paying VAT on money that it held for dancers from card machine payments and advised the strip club it needed to treat the payments as company turnover in an inspection in 2016. Black Cherry Entertainment Limited, run by Ashvin Patel, owed HMRC almost £85,000 in 2017, according to a document on the company's house website. It also shows that the business and its assets were sold to Black Cherry Gentlemen's Club Limited, which is owned by David Barrett for £10,000 in August 2017. And the headline story for Wednesday, October the 6th, early festive surprise for father. Family calls for vocal volunteers in Christmas treat. And I should say um, this story is about an event that has actually taken place on Wednesday, October the 6th. A family which has brought forward Christmas for a seriously ill dad is appealing for the community's help to hold a a special Christmas surprise tonight. Nikki Lee wants to gather as many people as possible outside her cousin Matthew Sandbrook's home in Warnden to sing Christmas carols. Matthew, known as Baby G, was recently diagnosed with a brain tumour and the family have brought Christmas forward so he can make memories with his three sons. Miss Lee said, I'm asking the Worcestershire community to come together at this heartbreaking time and make not only Matty, but his closest loved ones and children's last Christmas together truly magical. I cannot do this alone. I need some community spirit. Let's drop a whole load of Christmas magic on their doorstep and make this day mean more than ever. My motto throughout has been, I want to make it a day that makes a difference. She's asked people to help keep the surprise from Matthew and invited people to gather on the green near Rodborough Close from 5.45pm before the singing starts at 6pm. The family will be holding their own private Christmas celebrations before the surprise is revealed to Matthew. All the details are being shared on the Facebook group Public Appeal-Carol Singing for Matty, 6th of October. Miss Lee, 33, said... I couldn't let the day pass without doing something and I know how much the community pull together when it's needed. I've had some wonderful messages on Facebook so far. I am so humbled by people's response. It restores your faith in humanity. One thing we do ask is that my cousin is very vulnerable, so please don't approach the family. People will sing Stand By Me by Benny King, a song that is very special to the family, before moving on to Christmas classics such as Deck the Halls, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Winter Wonderland. 
Miss Lee has been busy collecting presents for the children and said they would welcome donations of gifts and sweets. It is going to be Matty's final Christmas with his children and he's not going to be well enough to go present shopping, she said. I've been in touch with toy shops in Worcester who are getting back to me and Co-op in St John's has donated selection boxes and food that doesn't have to be cooked. Someone else has offered us the use of their snow machine and the neighbours are helping us with that. Our hearts are so full at the moment, I'm hoping it's going to be phenomenal. Well, hopefully, maybe next week there'll be a report on it. Indeed, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Our next story uh, is headlined, Two Injured at Florists. A pensioner and a woman were left injured after an alleged unprovoked attack in their own flower shop. The pensioner, who asked that they were not named, told of how his attacker burst into the florists without warning before punching him in the face, leaving blood running down his cheek. A woman who co-owns the flower shop was also reportedly struck twice in the head as the attacker was forced out of the door by a friend of the pair. The incident, which occurred on Saturday afternoon, took place at Hop Market Flowers on Fourgate Street in the town centre. Both had to go to A&E and it was found the woman sustained soft tissue damage on her cheek during the assault. She said that she was left very shaken from the attack. The owners yesterday opened the shop for the first time since the attack. Police are currently investigating the incident and Laura Scott, a corporate communications officer from the West Mercia Police, said a 43-year-old man was arrested for assault, occasioning actual bodily harm following an incident on the Four Great Worcester on October 2nd. He has been released on bail. And this is about a teenager who hits the right note. A talented city teenager who promised her appearance on a television reality show was just the start, impressed at a special show. Lydia Beach wowed the judges during her appearance on The Voice Kids last year when the teenager, who is blind, narrowly missed out on a place in the semi-final of the ITV show. After that appearance, Lydia told the Worcester News it had been a positive experience and she definitely wanted to keep singing. And on Sunday, she made her latest appearance at the Amber Trust's annual concert, a showcase for talented, visually impaired and partially sighted young musicians. The event was watched by more than 100 people in the audience at the Waltham Hall, St Paul's School in London, and many more followed the two-hour celebration on an internet live stream. All 15 performers on the bill, including Worcester's Lydia, closed the show with a Queen medley. To re-watch the concert, visit the Amber Trust on YouTube. Well, I promised you some advance notice of a Christmas-themed event. So, here we go. The biggest show of the year, or so it says, returns to Worcester this Christmas. After a two-year hiatus, the pantomime will make a grand return with Beauty and the Beast opening at the Swan Theatre from November the 30th. Director Paul Milton, who's been involved with Worcester Theatres since 1982, is in charge of his first pantomime since 2008 and will have a largely new cast at his disposal. He said... For a lot of freelance actors, it's been a really grim time, so I'm thrilled that we are able to open up the big panto and give a number of actors, designers and wardrobe supervisors some work. 
It's the biggest show of the year because what you want to do at Christmas is bring all your families to the theatre and hopefully they all have a great time and then come back at other times of the year. Belle, the Beast and the Dame, Madame Bonbon, will all be played by actors making their Worcester debut. Charlotte Swarbrick, 25, takes on the role of Belle, having moved to Worcester last November. She said, I didn't want to get my hopes up. It's a dream role. Every small girl's dream growing up is to get to play a princess. I was over the moon to get it. The pantomime is something everybody really looks forward to, and this year it's coming back bigger and better than ever. Jack Giblin, 23, from Warnden Villages, will play the Beast, and it is a role unlike any he's done before. He said, The costume is absolutely roasting. The team have done such a good job and it looks amazing. Hopefully it's not too frightening. He added, Ever since I was a little kid, I loved the pantomime. It's just something that I've got to do in my career. There's so much value that comes from pantos, probably more than people realise. The Dame will be performed by Daniel Kane, 37. He said, The pantomime was really missed from every aspect last year. It's a real money earner. The theatre industry is on its knees, really, and so it's such a great time of year when everyone can come together. For children, it's normally their first experience of live theatre, and I think that has been something we have really missed. Well, good luck to them. Indeed. Council aiming higher in goal battle. The tallest cherry picker in the UK is in action in the centre of Worcester. The bright red machine is being used to remove goal nests to control the number of goals in the city. It can be extended up to 39 metres or can go up vertically to 19 metres and then reach out 20 metres horizontally, making it possible to get goals nests that have previously been out of reach. It has been used to find and remove gulls' nests and potential nesting materials from roofs across the city centre, including the historic Guildhall. Councillor Mark Bayliss, leader of the City Council, said, We have doubled the budget for tackling gull numbers in the city to £60,000, and it's thanks to that that we've been able to take the innovative step of hiring in this really impressive machine to really make an impact on the birds' nesting habits. The cherry picker will also be used to install two other gull-proof cages at two nest sites in Britannia Square. And this one is about a crisis care that was in caravans and a boat. Fifteen county children have been housed in unregulated care homes, boats, caravans or bed and breakfasts, it's been revealed. A Freedom of Information request submitted by a member of the public revealed the children have been housed since 2019. Worcestershire Children First confirmed 15 children had been staying in the accommodation. It became illegal to put a child under 16 in an unregulated setting this month. Tina Russell, Chief Executive of Worcestershire Children First, confirmed 11 children have been housed in unregulated accommodation and four have been placed in children's homes that were not yet registered with Ofsted. She said the use of unregulated provision for children is only ever temporarily utilised for children under 16 years of age where we have no alternative registered children's home provision available. This is therefore used in crisis situations. Since moving to WCF, we've used crisis provision for 11 children. These have included two young people accommodated on a barge, one in a holiday cottage, one in a hotel, 
and seven in a static or mobile caravan. Each child has been supported by a staff team during their short-term stay. In each case, Ofsted is notified and we monitor the young person's progress and care carefully as we seek to find a suitable registered provision. She continued, Support semi-independent accommodation is also unregulated care provision and we use this for young people between 16 and 18 years. We have 184 young people who, as part of their care plan and transition to independence, are placed in semi-independent provision and who make good progress. It became illegal to place a child under 16 in an unregulated setting in September 2021 and local authorities across the country are looking at how they can address the challenges in the lack of registered children's home provision to ensure that they meet this new legal requirement. Children's homes are regulated by Ofsted and as such are registered provisions. On occasions, a registered provision may become unregistered, either as a result of registration being removed or, more commonly, the provision going through the registration process but it being incomplete at the time of the placement. We've used four unregistered provisions since October 2019 for young people where no registered provision could be found which matched their urgent need for accommodation. Sharing chills in the moonlight. Something else to put in your diary, I feel. Film revellers are in for a fright under the moonlight as an outdoor cinema is coming to Worcester for its first Halloween showing in the city. Open Air Cinema and Chill have added a date at Worcester Racecourse to their UK tour after the success of summer screenings. Hocus Pocus will be showed on Tuesday, October 26th with an early screening scheduled for 6pm before a spooky late-night screening at 9pm. Mo Davis from Open Air Cinema and Chill said, This is the first time that we're bringing a Halloween screen to Worcester. We do summer cinemas, but we've not done a Halloween one before. In previous years, people have got really immersed in the event by dressing up and bringing lanterns and pumpkins. It's loved by both adults and kids. There's nothing like watching the best family Halloween movie out there on a big screen under the night sky drinking hot chocolate. Family tickets, which admit two adults and two children, are priced at £34 and are fully refundable should the event get cancelled because of poor weather conditions. Single tickets can also be purchased and are priced at £14 for adults, £9 for children, with the same refund policy applicable. Indeed, scary. Supply issues as opening delayed. A new pound shop set to open in the city this month has not yet been able to open due to supply issues. Cal Singh said he was opening the pound shop in High Street on September the 18th, but the date has had to be pushed back to Friday, October the 7th, which is tomorrow, of course. The business owner said recent fuel shortages, lorry driver shortages and Brexit have all had an effect on the business opening. He said... Brexit COVID problems are real, with an exclamation mark. Some of our products' shipping costs have quadrupled. Recent fuel shortages have meant that some suppliers have not been prepared to ship to us due to concerns that lorry drivers are unable to refuel. 
Thankfully, we have found some solutions to these problems and we are firmly working towards a Friday, October the 7th opening date. Mr Singh, who already owns five pound shops, that's not five pound shops, that's five pound shops in Andover and Doncaster, added, we decided to open one here in Worcester as the city fits within our search criteria. Low unemployment, high student population and is a fair distance away from major cities. Mr Singh says he has employed five people to work at the new shop. He added, We feel pound shops have strayed away from what they once were. In our shop, every single item will be priced at a pound, £1.50 or £2. We will not focus on food and drink, as most pound shops tend to do, but provide everyday essential items from hardware to pet food at the lowest prices on the high street. The unit now owned by Mr Singh has been empty for almost three years after music chain HMV closed in 2019. And this is about a, a, a woman who is jamming at turning 103. A Worcester resident celebrated her 103rd birthday by jamming with the city's ukulele club. Biddy Furlong capped off a week of celebrations with a tea party at King George V Worcester Community Centre. Friends, family, councillors and even the Mayor of Worcester were in attendance as Biddy, born Beatrice Lily Hewitt, joined the Worcester Ukulele Club for a rendition of her favourite song, Green Door. Looking back on her 103 years, Biddy said the most memorable event was man going to the moon, while her tip for living a long life was keeping busy, which she certainly has. Born on September the 30th, 1918, in Lansdowne Terrace in Worcester, Biddy is a former pupil of St George's C of E School, and St Paul's School. After completing her education, Biddy enjoyed work as a milliner and then at Deco Wall's wallpaper shop. Biddy met her future husband, Vincent Furlong, when she was just 14 and married him on April 8, 1938, a day, she says, was the most memorable of her life. The couple enjoyed a happy marriage and had four children, Colleen, Marilyn, Peter and Royston. Vincent unfortunately passed away aged 82, but Busy has been kept busy as she's grandmother to nine, great-grandmother to 15 and great-great-grandmother to three. For 30 years, Vincent and Biddy ran the post office in Brickfields Road, during which they started the Friends of King George V Playing Fields Residence Association. Their hard work allowed the park to build a pavilion which replaced a little wooden hut that local football teams had been using. Around 15 years ago, the council decided to build an even bigger pavilion, and the room was named after Biddy, the Furlong Room. For all her work, Biddy was presented with an award at the Queen's Tennis Club in London by Princess Alexandra, Bobby Charlton and Jimmy Hill. Now, Biddy lives in her own bungalow, and has raised a lot of money for the British Legion by knitting and crocheting poppies to sell for Remembrance Day. Biddy is now looking forward to celebrating her 104th birthday. Good on you, love. Children and staff at North Worcester Primary Academy have been getting to grips with the exciting new equipment that has been installed in the school. 
An immersive room is now fully operational, allowing children to be submerged and engaged in worlds, stories and learning. The high-tech learning space projects 360-degree images around the room and floor, accompanied by sounds to help the children feel like they are in a different setting. The room is used to bring subjects such as history and science to life for the students by transporting them into the trenches of the First World War, into space on the ISS, or even on a beach in the South China Sea. There are artistic and musical applications as well as interactive stories and games. Emily Calvert, head of school, said, We believe that sparking children's imagination is key to making creative problem solvers of the future, and this is one of the many ways that we strive to do this at North Worcester. As well as the creative benefits for children, it is also an effective space for children with special educational needs. Not only do our children have access to this engaging immersive room, but the school also have a variety of programmable robots to help the children learn coding and computer skills from an early age. The school had a special visit from Microsoft, who brought with them a wealth of equipment for the students to experience. The children explored new software and gadgets, expanding their technical knowledge even more. Mrs Calvert added, We're thrilled to be offering the children a curriculum framework that will develop the creative thinkers of the future. Rooted in sustainability, innovation, partnership and equality, it is preparing the children to live as global citizens in an ever-changing world. Being able to offer the children a variety of experiences through technology and immersion is exciting. Our only problem now is their reluctance to return to their classrooms. The school is holding an open day on Saturday, October the 9th, between 10 and 12.30pm, and another on Wednesday, November the 17th, between 3pm and 5pm, giving new parents and children an opportunity to see the immersive rooms for themselves. Now, fresh fears over path as closure set for years. Fears a popular riverside walk could be lost for good, have increased after a closure date was extended. A public notice has appeared at the slip entrance in Northwick, stating that the Secretary of State for the Department of Transport has rubber-stamped a continuation of the closure. Residents are fighting to get the path reinstated after it was closed by Worcestershire County Council because of natural erosion five months ago. It will be a blow to campaigners who had hoped to have the path opened as soon as possible as it can now remain shut until October 1st, 2023 at the latest. But the County Council has reinforced it is, I think that's repeated, it is still looking for a long-term solution to the Riverside Path. A spokesperson for the council said, We have extended an order closing footpath WR810 and this order is currently in place until 2023. We are working on possible long-term solutions for the area, but while that happens, the path needs to remain closed for public safety. The sign reads, Notice is hereby given that the order made by Worcestershire County Council on the 25th March 2021, the effect of which is to close that path of footpath which was due to expire on the 2nd of October 2021, has been continued in force with the approval of the Secretary of State until the works to which it relates have been completed. Previously, Councillor Alan Amos said that there were, quote, no current 
plans to close the footpath. However, an eight-foot steel fence has since appeared at the entrance in Northwood Lido due to recent incidents of criminal damage. Safety barriers and signs have been intentionally damaged at the site, which remains closed off. Handmade signs have gone up begging for its return, reading, Can we have our Riverside Walk back, please? The path is closed between the entrance near Chasewater Avenue and to the gate at Northwood Lido. There is still no date for the reopening of the path, which has been closed because of erosion near Northwick Marina. County's tax burden. The average council tax rate in Worcestershire is among one of the lowest in the country, according to the latest figures. The average contribution to pay Worcestershire County Council services is 1,344, the 33rd lowest in the UK. The most expensive tax bill in the country is Rutland in the East Midlands, where residents pay on average £2,194 a year, compared to the cheapest tax bill in the country in Westminster at 829. Witchhaven, which includes Evesham, Pershaw and Droitwich, has the lowest average council tax in Worcestershire, with residents expected to pay 1,843 a year for a band D property, the 55th lowest in the country. The District Council agreed to freeze its share of council tax for the fourth year in a row this year. The most expensive average payment in the county is in Wire Forest at 1,939, which also saw the biggest year-on-year rise compared to 2020-21 at just over 3%. Closely behind Witchhaven is Worcester, with an average council tax charge of 1,872 which includes money for district and county council services, as well as precepts for West Mercia Police and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. The average Band D payment in Worcester means residents pay the 75th lowest council tax rate among the country's 296 district and unitary authorities for the current financial year of 2021 to 22. The third lowest council tax in the county is Malvern Hills, where the average band D payment is 1,913, according to figures provided by the Ministry of Housing, Communities and Local Government. Seven pounds higher than Malvern Hills is Redditch, which has the fourth highest average council tax payment in Worcestershire, at 1,921. And of the county's six districts, Bromsgrove has the fifth highest average payment, with the band D taxpayers handing over £1,933 a year. For each pound given to Witchhaven by council taxpayers, the majority goes to Worcestershire County Council to pay for services such as adult and children's social care, roads, libraries and waste disposal. West Mercia's police and commissioner receives 13 pence from every pound in Witchhaven to pay for policing in the region. The district council itself keeps just six pence, with five pence going to Hereford 
Hertfordshire and Worcestershire Fire and Rescue Service. Three pence from every pound in Witchhaven council tax money goes to parish and town councils. A project to ensure patients at Worcestershire's hospitals are called by their preferred name has won a prestigious award. The hashtag CallMe project was introduced by Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust in April to help staff address patients, with up to a third preferring to be called something different from their recorded forename. In recognition of this, the team behind hashtag CallMe was awarded the Digital Innovation Team of the Year at the BMJ Awards. The project was spearheaded by Dr Michael McCabe. He said... The impact of interacting with an individual in the manner they're comfortable is even more significant in our vulnerable patient groups, such as the elderly, the confused, post-operative patients or end-of-life patients. The introduction of hashtag CallMe is very simple, but it's really important. We hope that it will give comfort and reassurance to patients that we respect their identity by addressing them with their preferred name and not assuming that they're most comfortable using their formal birth name. In a recent order to patients, it was found that one in four patients had recorded a different preferred hashtag call me to that of their formal forename. Paula Gardner, Chief Nursing Officer at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said, Ensuring we are communicating with our patients using their preferred name is a valuable step in providing person-centred patient care and helps us to develop a strong relationship with our patients. Patient respect, dignity... Experience and care is the focus of our hospitals and of hashtag call me and it shows how the smallest things can make the biggest difference to our patients and their experience in our hospitals. To successfully implement this during the COVID pandemic is a credit to the team involved and their commitment and dedication to putting patients first. She said, being addressed by your preferred name can reassure patients and have profound ability to put patients at ease during what can be a stressful time and ensure all of our patients feel included. Fine for barking dog. A Worcester dog owner has appeared in court after being accused of failing to stop his noisy pooches from barking, despite multiple warnings. Oliver Dakers of Warboys Road was served with four separate abatement notices in August last year by Worcester City Council because of his dog's excessive barking. The City Council say Dacres failed to mute his vocal canines and is now facing legal action under the Environmental Protection Act. Dacres entered a plea of not guilty at Worcestershire Magistrates Court on July 7 for failing to comply with all four of the notices without reasonable excuse. At the most recent hearing on September 30th, the bench adjourned the case until November when Dacres will have to attend a case management hearing at Kidderminster Magistrates Court. Under the provisions of the Environmental Protection Act of 1990, any noise from from premises that is likely to cause injury to a person's health or interfere with their enjoyment of their property can be considered a statutory nuisance. Councils are responsible for looking into complaints about noise from premises, which under government guidance includes loud music and barking dogs. Fines for dog owners who failed to stop their pets from barking were previously capped at £5,000. However, they can now be subject to an unlimited penalty. How long, how loud the dog is barking, what time of day it occurs and the duration of the disturbance will be taken into account by the council when they're assessing a noise complaint. 
Councils can then serve an abatement notice within seven days of the complaint, ordering owners to halt their dogs barking. Failure to comply with an abatement notice is a criminal offence. Individuals can also take private action if they feel their neighbour's dog is disturbing them. A beekeeper has been told to move his hives by the county council after a child was stung. Having kept bees in the countryside centre in Worcester for 16 years, the beekeeper has been told his hives are no longer compatible. The beekeeper, who wishes to remain anonymous, said he believes the decision has come after a child at a nearby children's club was stung earlier in the summer. He said they don't cause any harm to anybody, never had any incidents, and then they have started these kids' clubs in the last few years. A child was stung in late July on a particularly thundery day, and there's only one or two instances when bees become aggressive, and that's when it's thundery, or when a hedge trimmer or lawnmower is nearby. He added that he has been offered an alternative location, but has not yet had a chance to view it. He said, This is a habitat where the bees have been safe. They need to be secure. The hives get vandalised and stolen, so finding somewhere secure is difficult. I have been offered a new field, but it might not be suitable. People think you can just put them anywhere, but this is not the case. The beekeeper has said he would like to work with the council in order to come to a suitable agreement, a proposal the council is happy with. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, Worcestershire is a pollinator-friendly county and undertakes the management of its countryside sites in a way that is beneficial for native pollinators, such as bumblebees and solitary bees and wasps, as well as domestic honeybees, which live in managed hives. The use of the countryside centre has increased by a range of groups over the years, and this has generated much-needed income to help the running of the countryside and green space service. They continued, It's become apparent over recent months that this increased usage is not compatible with the way the hives are managed, which means the keeping of bees in the garden area is not appropriate anymore. In order to minimise the risk of individuals using the centre and garden area being stung, we will be meeting to discuss options for the relocation with the beekeeper on his return from holiday. The beekeeper says a meeting has been arranged for Monday, October the 18th. A Worcester clubber caught on camera as she spat and racially assaulted a Weatherspoon's doorman has pleaded guilty to racially aggravated common assault. Shana Walker of Woodhouse Close, Worcester, appeared at Birmingham Magistrates Court where she entered the guilty plea. Walker admitted racially aggravated common assault and criminal damage after spitting at a pub doorman. The 25-year-old shouted racist, racist slurs at doorman Tristan Price when he refused her entry to a bar in Birmingham. A video was shared on social media of her pushing a security guard, swearing and using racist slurs. Walker then spat at him outside Weatherspoon's figure of eight bar on Birmingham's Broad Street on May the 22nd. 
Walker, who went viral on social media in May after the incident in Birmingham's Broad Street Leisure District, heard she could face jail after pleading guilty at the city's magistrate's court. Walker, appearing in the dock wearing a long black coat, carrying a handbag and with sunglasses on her forehead, also admitted causing criminal damage to a door, including its glass panel and hinges. District Judge Bryony Clark granted Walker unconditional bail until an administrative hearing on October the 27th after a defence application for reports to be prepared. Defence solicitor Judith Kenny told the court, I acknowledge that this offence starts at a custody level. What I would seek to do, dependent on the medical evidence, is to seek to persuade the court to suspend the sentence. Charges of threatening behaviour and assault by beating were withdrawn after the Crown accepted Walker's guilty pleas. Miss Kenny said the court was required to consider any suggestion of a mental disorder, adding that a report by an expert had been commissioned. I wish to mitigate with the court having all matters before it, the solicitor told Wednesday's short hearing. Adjourning the case, District Judge Clark told Walker, you have pleaded guilty to these offences. In due course, you will get credit for pleading guilty, but I can't sentence you today. I'm going to adjourn this hearing until the reports are completed. Our next story is entitled City Hygiene Refuted. The council has defended the city against claims it offers the UK's most unhygienic night out. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said the city remains a safe place to eat out following a study which said Worcester is home to the least hygienic night out venues. The study, by Property Inspect, found that Worcester had the lowest proportion of pubs, bars and clubs with a five-star hygiene rating, using data from the Food Standards Agency. Only 40% of all venues in the city have a five-star rating. However, the council say that anything above three is more than adequate. The council spokesperson went on, people can eat out with confidence in Worcester because the reality is that 98% of the businesses in our city are rated as producing safe food, indicated by three stars or more. The vast majority of Worcester's food businesses work incredibly hard to meet the required food hygiene standards supported by our regulatory service officers and it is good to see residents and visitors supporting them as they recover from the economic impact of Covid. Worcester news readers can check the city's food businesses' hygiene ratings for themselves at ratings.food.gov.uk. Worcester is only one of four cities where the proportion of five-star venues is below 50%, along with Cardiff, Norwich and Cambridge. At the other end of the scale, nearby Gloucester has the highest proportion of five-star ratings, with 95.45%, that is 21 out of 22 venues. Across the country, 63.71% of all pubs, clubs and bars have a 5 rating for hygiene. Meanwhile, only 0.94% of all venues have a national rating of 1. Warwick Swift, Commercial Director at Property Inspect, said, Cleanliness and hygiene in venues of all kinds is becoming increasingly important to customers, so a low hygiene rating affects businesses and their patrons alike. Venues with a hygiene rating below a 3 could lose as much as 34% of their customers. So getting on top of cleaning practices, whether you're a pub, club or bar, is vital to survival, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. Tracking cleaning processes and providing transparent information is essential to adding peace of mind to your customers. 
especially as we begin to learn <coughs> to live with COVID. And now we <coughs> see a homes plan for a village. A plan to build 30 homes on green space in a village has been put forward. The homes would be built on land at Old Hills in Callow End near Worcester under plans by developer Cat Terra. Twelve of the homes would be affordable, according to the proposals submitted to Morven Hills District Council. The homes would be accessed via Upton Road. James O'Shea, Managing Director of Terra, said the homes would help contribute towards the need for affordable housing across the Malvern Hills district. He said, We are excited about the opportunity to create a quality, family-orientated niche development in this sought-after village location. In the parish of Poick, where Callowend is located, the local data indicates a demand for at least 21 affordable homes, Our proposals are for 12 of the 30 plots planned for this site to be designated as affordable, together with additional two- and three-bedroom homes which could be ideal for first-time buyers. He continued, Delivering this scheme will add value to the immediate area, with 30 high-quality new homes designed around extensive landscaping and public open space. We look forward to working alongside officers, councillors and consultees while the application is being considered. The latest housing plans for Callowend follow the submission of an application which would see an eyesore manor house in the village demolished to make for new homes and bungalows. Lockley Homes has put forward proposals that would see the now dilapidated Victorian era Wheatfield Court in Callowend near Worcester demolished and replaced with a mix of three and four bed homes and bungalows. The building off the village's Upton Road was destroyed by a huge fire in 2004, having been converted into flats, leaving its then residents homeless and the building gutted. Some concerns have been raised about the new entrance to the homes of the the busy Upton Road, which would also be used to access the nearby Terra homes. The plans can be viewed via the planning section of Morven Hills District Council's website and the application number is 21-01719-OUT and public consultation ends on October the 29th. And this article is a return to the past. In Victorian and Edwardian times, one of the most popular events on Worcester's social calendar used to be the annual Hop and Cheese Fair. Traditionally held in the autumn after the harvest had been safely gathered in, it was in many ways a rather supercharged harvest festival. For not only was the city centre packed with stalls selling prime produce, cakes and confectionery, but at the cattle market at the bottom of the butts, sheep and horses came under the auctioneer's hammer, and the streets, especially from the cross down towards the river, were lined with fairground attractions. Unhindered by any ability to stay at home and watch TV, village folk would flock to Worcester. From very early morning, all roads into the city were packed with people walking with baskets on their arms, and farmers and country gentlemen riding on horseback or in gigs and carriages with their wives and children. There were also many carriers' wagons, 
opened-topped horse-drawn carts that served as country buses, jammed with women, children, men and dogs, and laden with produce to be sold at the fair. The result was a day of largely good-humoured pandemonium, which was generally tolerated by the city authorities on the basis that tomorrow was another day and everyone would have gone home. And it's accompanied this article by a wonderful picture of um, the cattle market in 1953 during the Hop Cheese and Sheep Fair, and there is a sale or an auction of horses going on, um, and it's just wonderfully vibrant and, and takes you all the way back to 1953. Over to you, Right, thank you. Just a short one, this busy time for emergencies. West Mercia Police asked people to report non-urgent crimes via its website on Friday the 1st of October. According to the police Twitter feed, the force experienced a high number of 999 calls. The tweet read, We are experiencing these long call wait times on 101 due to high demand. Our call handlers are dealing with 999 emergency calls. If your report is not urgent, please report online to westmercia.police.uk as this is monitored 24-7. Stolen trailer was spotted by owner. A landscape gardener from near Worcester was spotted towing a stolen trailer by the rightful owner who recognised it because of a hole in the bottom. Frankie Butler admitted handling stolen goods but there was some quibbling about the value of the stolen trailer. The 31-year-old father, who had a previous conviction for handling stolen goods, pleaded guilty to handling when he appeared at Worcester Magistrates Court. The trailer was stolen from Richard Dormer in Redditch on June the 4th, and the victim himself spotted what he thought was his trailer being pulled by a green Land Rover Freelander containing two males at around 3pm. He realised it was his trailer. There was a hole in the centre of the floor of the trailer, said Ralph Robbins-Landricum, prosecuting. Mr Dormer returned home to find his trailer was gone. Turning around and attempting to follow the Land Rover, but couldn't catch up. Officers performed an area search and discovered a trailer matching the description provided by Mr Dorner being towed along Old Turnpike Road in the direction of Worcester before it was stopped in Netherwood Lane. At 3.30pm, Butler was arrested on suspicion of theft of the trailer. The owner was able to identify it from the chassis number and other marks upon it. Butler answered no comment to questions put to him by police in an interview, but told them that the other male with him was his nephew. Butler of Pershaw Lane, Hindlip, near Worcester, was also before the court in 2017 for handling stolen goods. No value was provided for the trailer, but Mr Robbins Landricum said it's probably worth, at the very least, £1,000. Judith Kenny, for Butler, took issue with this valuation. Mrs Kenny said, We deal in evidence, not suppositions. It had a hole in it. She argued that as a result of the lack of any evidence about the value, the offence should fall into the Category 4 and not Category 3 in the sentencing guidelines, telling the bench it's not for us advocates in court to second-guess. Mrs Kenny said... 
there was some spontaneity to the offence, and that her client, a landscape gardener, had no qualifications with limited reading and writing abilities. He's not heavily convicted. He's not been able to work at all during the pandemic, she said. By his plea, she said, Butler had fallen on his sword, that he had a child born in 2019 and another on the way in five weeks' time. His pregnant wife supported him at court. The solicitor told the magistrates the starting point was a low-level community order and urged the bench to hit him in the pocket where it hurts. Magistrates fined him £120 and disqualified him from driving for 28 days and ordered him to pay a victim's surcharge of £33 and costs of £185. Concerns have been raised that Worcestershire Rivers could see partially treated sewage enter the system due to an ongoing problem in the chemical supply chain. But Seven Trent Water has stressed it is currently not being affected by the national shortage and has no plans to apply to contaminant water. Last month, the Environment Agency told water firms they can temporarily reduce the amount of chemicals used for the treatment of wastewater after problems in the chemical supply chain caused by the lorry driver shortage. Similar to the fuel crisis, Water UK said there was no shortage of the chemicals, just the distribution of them. The Environment Agency issued a regulatory statement, meaning water companies wouldn't be fined using the Regulatory Position Statement, the RPS, if they had written permission from the agency. This time-limited RPS, which expires on December the 31st, can only be used by water and sewage companies unable to comply with permit conditions because they are experiencing unavoidable delays in the delivery of chemicals to treat wastewater. Over the weekend, a tweet went viral about southern water pumping water that had not been fully treated into the sea, with fears a similar situation could develop in Worcestershire, including the River Avon and the River Severn. A Seven Trent water spokesman said, We have not been impacted by a chemical shortage at Seven Trent and have no need or intention to apply to the Environment Agency to use the RPS. A spokesman for the Environment Agency said, We take our responsibilities to protect the environment very seriously. Water companies have a legal duty to avoid pollution and must act quickly to reduce any damage that happens as a result of their activities. The regulations are clear and are enforced robustly. In addition to regulating the activities of water companies as at wastewater treatment works, we are working with stakeholders and partners, including in the agricultural sector, which is also responsible for phosphates entering rivers. The Environment Agency said no water company has yet made use of the RPS and the most sensitive and high-risk watercourses will not be affected. And the agency added... It is also working with water companies and regulators to solve the distribution issues, including extending delivery hours to allow deliveries to be made outside of standard normal operating times and looking at ways of making logistics more efficient, requiring fewer drivers. OK. Stay in to sleep out for big night. Organisers of a big sleep out so you can stay at home to raise awareness of homelessness. The Big Sleep Out returns to Worcester on October the 14th and encourages people to sleep outside to raise money and awareness for homelessness. 
But now, organisers say participants will have the choice to join in the event at Six Ways Stadium or stay at home. The decision is hoped to boost participant numbers by encouraging those who may feel uneasy due to the coronavirus situation. Organisers said, Our goal has always been to educate the public on wider issues surrounding homelessness and to create empathy. We are not looking to replicate the experience of being homeless, only to drive awareness and raise money. Opening up the option to sleep out at home will help more people to get involved and help us achieve these goals. Currently, 90 people have signed up, just 27 shy of the 117 in 2019, an event which raised over £30,000. The organisers added, We recognise that the pandemic has divided opinions and that not everyone may feel comfortable with sleeping out in person yet. For this reason, we have decided to open the option to sleep out at home. This is the third time Six Ways Stadium has hosted the event, which was postponed in 2020, and money raised will go towards supporting three local charities, Mag's Day Centre, St Paul's Hostel and the Warriors Community Foundation. Mel Kirk, CEO of Mag's Day Centre, said, In the last year and a half during Covid, people's perceptions of what is important have really changed. There is an appreciation of the simple things like a roof over your head, which for some members of our community is not a given. Being able to sleep out at home means that people can support a worthy cause while feeling comfortable in their own surroundings and feeling secure in these still uncertain times. You can sign up or donate at, or small case, WorcesterSleepout, that's all one word, .co.uk. And now there are medals for the 70th Jubilee. A county business is making commemorative medals for the Queen's Jubilee. Worcestershire Medal Service, based in Bromsgrove, has been given the task of making 400,000 medals for the Platinum Jubilee celebrating 70 years of her reign. The medals will be handed out to emergency workers and members of the armed forces in honour of their bravery and sacrifice. Phil McDermott, Chief Executive Officer of the Worcestershire Medal Service, said that an order was a welcome boost following the Covid crisis. He said, it means a lot of job security for people. We're actually creating jobs as well, which is a terrific story having come through the pandemic. Mr McDermott explained that how he designed the distinctive ribbon for the medal, commemorating the Queen's 70-year reign, I submitted a few medal ribbon designs and was fortunate that they picked one. It combines some of the previous medals so that the design is a nod to the Coronation Medal, same layers, different structure, and then I put silver stripes on the end to mark the Silver Jubilee. The centre stripe is a blue from the Golden Jubilee ribbon and the red is from the Diamond Jubilee. Medals will be awarded to living recipients of the Victoria and George Cross and serving frontline members of police, fire, emergency services, prison services and armed forces who have completed five years' service on February the 6th, the start of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Culture Secretary Nadine Dorries hailed the medal as a fitting tribute to the sacrifices of the armed forces and Timothy Node from the College of Arms designed the medal made of nickel silver 
which features the Ian Rank Broadley portrait of the Queen with a Latin inscription, Elizabeth II, De Gratia Regina Fid Death, Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, Queen, Defender of the Faith. On the reverse is the heraldic image of the royal crest and the years of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, 1952 to 2022. Medals have been awarded to mark royal jubilees since the Victorian period when the 50th anniversary of Queen Victoria's reign was commemorated in 1887 with a medal. Medals have been issued to mark the Queen's Diamond Jubilee in 2012, Golden Jubilee in 2002 and Silver Jubilee in 1977. Thanks, Jane. Well, that wraps up the general news stories for the week and we'll move on now to some sport and I'll begin with a story about cricket. Grassroots cricketers in Worcester took part in a celebration of women's and girls' sport in the city. New Road played host to the Mega Fest, which sees games of softball cricket for women and girls behind the main ground. This is the second time the event has been hosted, with a previous event taking place in 2019. More than 100 players from 10 teams took part in 15 matches across the morning, followed by the opportunity to watch England women's ODI against New Zealand for free. The day got underway with a mass Zumba session to warm up before playing the games. The festival is designed to allow people who've never played the game or who've had a break from it to get back into the swing of things. Worcestershire County Cricket Club provided all the equipment and there are plans to continue the event in future. For more information about how you and your team can get involved, contact Jess Ward on lowercase j-e-s-s dot ward at wccc.co.uk. And now a story with very much a sporting context. Memorial Day at City for Lost Ones. Worcester City will honour 28 loyal supporters, former players and board members who died during the pandemic. Porters from the Worcester Hospital have also been invited to the game, as well as family members of those lost in the last 18 months. Baptist minister at Fernal Heath Baptist Church, Jeff Porter, will be in attendance and before kick-off will read out the names of those lost, as well as a prayer during a two-minute period of silence. City chairman Steve Good said, This club is one of those where if someone has died from the club, we always have a minute's silence or applause. Those who have passed away during the pandemic would have had that, but obviously they couldn't, and that's why we're doing it. It will be two minutes, and during that, the Reverend will read out all of the names. A lot of fans won't even know some of those people who have died, so there will be a few sad faces. Worcester City is a fan-owned club. We do look out for our community. It is something that is very important to us as a football club to honour those people. I think every club should be doing this at some point of the season. Good was keen to indicate that this was not just Covid-related, and it was important that those closest to the club were remembered. We have been waiting for fans to be back so that we could do it, he added. Now that we have our crowds back, this is the time to do it. It is right that these people should have their moment. And now their sacked boss stops the departure of the players. A departing co-manager, Chris Corns, was sacked via email by Worcester Raiders, 
but prevented a player revolt, according to one of his senior players. Ex-Worcester City captain and current Raiders defender, Jordan Stoddart, revealed the squad had planned to walk away en masse ahead of last night's Hellenic League Division 1 trip to Sirencester Town development, only for Corns to intervene. Raiders announced on Monday that Corns had left his post as joint manager and that co-boss Carl Gormley would take charge of first-team affairs with a replacement to be announced in due course. The news prompted a backlash from many of the squad and social media, claiming chairman Steve Harris had pushed out Corns. Stoddart told Worcester News Harris had sent the email while Corns was on holiday and the players had received no explanation ahead of hitting the road for a midweek match. Neither Harris nor Warriors offered a response to the claim or Stoddard's comments. Stoddard said, We're in limbo. It came as a bit of a shock and everything's up in the air. We don't know why it's happened. All we know is that Chris got asked to leave via an email from the chairman. We have been told nothing else. We have had no contact from anyone at the club and Chris has not had a word from above. He continued, The last word falls with the chairman. We have all tried to speak with him, but he has basically blanked us, he said. is nothing to do with him. But then he said he had to do what he had to do. The only reason we were given was that it was down to results, which is a load of rubbish. It's just not true. If the club is not happy with results, then surely that falls on all management team and not on one individual. I don't see how that's possible. If we win our games in hand, we will be within a point of the top spot. The players did stand up and say they would not play, but Chris went out of his way to say, no, go and play. That was nothing against Carl. We all love him and always want to play for him. But at the same time, we felt we wanted to make a statement to the chairman to say we're not happy with the decision and put the onus on him. Stoddart concluded by saying, I would like to thank Chris for everything. I know the lads would too, and we all hope he gets back into football soon. Cricket again. Worcestershire County Cricket Club Academy product Mitchell Stanley has signed his first full professional contract with the club. Stanley has put pen to paper on a two-year deal at New Road until the end of the 2023 campaign. This summer, he played four second-11 championships and seven second-11 T20 matches, but missed a chunk of the season with a side strain. Head coach Alex Gidman said, Mitch has come through the ranks and done well with the academy. He is one we've had an eye on for a few years, and certainly Alan Richardson and ourselves have seen enough to keep wanting to work with him over the next few years. We think there's a good fast bowler in there and hence the reason we've decided to keep him on a longer contract. At the moment, he's still getting used to being a professional cricketer and has got a lot of work to do physically. He has to get stronger and understand physically and mentally what it takes to be a bowler in first-team cricket. Stanley said, I was so delighted when the club awarded me a two-year contract and I want to repay the faith they have shown in me. Football now, and it's not good news, I'm afraid. Worcester City threw away an early lead as they were knocked out of the Vitality Women's FA Cup in the second qualifying round by Schiffnall Town on Sunday. 
A big crowd turned out to watch City, who took the lead early on, thanks to a brilliant solo goal from Doyen Fitchett. Despite the promising start, the hosts then seemed to take their foot off the gas and allowed themselves to work themselves allowed their opponents, I'm sorry, to work themselves back into the cup tie. Schiffnor began to get their foot on the ball in midfield and started creating half chances without truly working Ash Whitbury in the city goal. But the equaliser came right on the stroke of half time as a through ball found the Schiffnell striker in space and she pounced to lift it over Whitbury and pull Schiffnell level. In truth, the away side, a league below Worcester, looked more than comfortable and were the better side throughout the second half. Whitbury had kept City in it, but with 11 minutes to go, a penalty was given, which Schiffnell Town's skipper tucked home. The home side pushed for a leveller, but could not manage it and were dumped out of the FA Cup. Williams taking to the water for GB. A student from the University of Worcester has been selected to represent Great Britain at the forthcoming World Rowing Coastal Championships in Portugal. Swin Williams, 23, who is studying for a master's degree in adaptive sport at Worcester, earned her place in the squad by winning the mixed doubles category at the British Offshore Rowing Championships in July, along with crewmate Tom Brain. It's an incredible sport, said Williams from Dinners Cross in Pembrokeshire. I would say that. And at the Worlds, we will row four kilometres in the heats and six kilometres if we make the A final. That's six kilometres of hard rowing in whatever conditions the ocean can throw at us. It's not for the faint-hearted, she added. In fact, coastal rowing has just been reclassified as a contact sport because there are so many collisions. It's not a straight course, there are no lanes to separate us, and boats compete hard for the best line around the boys. The World Coastal Rowing Championships will take place in Oeiras, Portugal, from September the 30th to October the 3rd. And for Swin, the next 12 months will be something of an adventure, whatever the result in Portugal. I have one more assignment to finish for my Masters, then I'm off to Portugal, and when I get back, I'm moving to Cardiff to start my new job working with young people from disadvantaged backgrounds, which is something I'm hugely passionate about. Thank you, Jane. That concludes the sports stories. So we've got uh, Thought for the Week, Sunrise, Sunset Times and Birthdays. Let's do Thought for the Week, please, Phil. It's a pleasure. This one is from Romans 11, verses 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Thank you. So, uh, sunrise and sunset times. The sun rose this morning, uh, that's the 7th of October, at 7.21am, and it will set tonight at 6.31pm. I fear the nights are drawing in. Moving on swiftly to much more exciting things, the birthday file. And we actually have four people with birthdays coming up. So, uh, we'd all like to wish... Michael Jones, whose birthday is on the 11th of October. Alan Steadman, his birthday is on the 12th. 
Hilary Plestard, whose birthday's on the 14th, and Connie Blower, whose birthday's on the 15th. May you all have very happy birthdays um, from all of us here at Talking Newspapers. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's recording. I'd like to thank our readers, Phil Lee and Jane Fairs. Goodbye. And the production team, that's Carol and John Plush, for all their efforts. And to say goodbye and wish you a happy weekend ahead. Bye. Evelyn, known as Brenda Campbell, passed away peacefully on the 23rd of September 2021. The funeral will be held at Worcester Crematorium on the 11th of October at 10am. Any donations to the RSPB. Dorothy Mary George passed away peacefully at home on the 6th of September. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 11th of October at 10.45. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Macmillan nurses and they may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 6870 on Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Geoffrey Allen Lewis died 17th September. Funeral service to take place at the Vale Crematorium on Thursday the 14th of October at 12pm. Immediate family flowers, but donations will benefit Cancer Research or British Heart Foundation and may be sent care of F.W. Spilsbury, Funeral Director, 12 Upper Housel Road, that's H-O-W-S-E-L-L, Malvern, W-R-14, 1-T-L. Ashley Keith Reese passed away on the 13th of September. Funeral at the Forest of Dean Crematorium on Friday the 15th of October at 11.30. Donations to the British Lung Foundation. Funeral directors, Doors at Ledbury. Dennis William Brown passed away peacefully on 23rd of September 2021 aged 85 years. Funeral service to take place at St Clement's Church on Wednesday the 13th of October at 12.30pm, followed by an interment at St John's Cemetery. Flowers or donations for Cancer Research UK can be sent to Care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, 30 Bromyard Road, Worcester, WR1, sorry, WR2, 5BT. Telephone number 01905 Jesse Christina Jenkins passed away peacefully at home on September the 25th, 2021, aged 95 years. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 14th of October at 1pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Cancer Research UK may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68 to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. Alan Sear, that's S-I-E-R, passed away after a short illness on the 25th of September 2021. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 29th of October at 3.15pm. Family flowers only please. 
donations if desired for the RAF Benevolent Fund may be left in a box at the service. Susan Griffiths of Pershaw passed away on September the 19th, 2021. Funeral service will be held at Pershaw Abbey on Thursday, October the 14th at 12 noon. Please wear a splash of colour in Sue's memory. Family flowers only. Donations in aid of St Richard's Hospice may be sent to E. Hill and Son, Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ, telephone 01386 552 141. Roger John Tudge died on 24th September in Minehead, Somerset, aged 84. A funeral will be held at All Saints Church, Selworthy, on Thursday 14th of October at 2.30pm. All inquiries, care of Headley Price, that's H-E-D-L-E-Y, Headley Price, Funeral Directors, 01643 703 Robert Smith, known as Bob, passed away peacefully on September the 21st, aged 88. Funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday, October the 15th at 10.45am. Donations, if desired, for the Senior Staffy Club may be placed in the collection box available at the service. Flowers may be sent to the Cooperative Funeral Care, 17 Lowersmoor, Worcester, WR1 2RS. <laughs> 